This is Brian Hill, and you're listening to The Night Nerd. Welcome to The Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance, and today we're going to talk some Chevalier. It's a movie that just came out, uh, well, it debuted at the Toronto Film Festival back in September, but it just came out here, like, wide release. Um, go see it. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I loved it. One of the best movies I've seen. That That's my review. Like, I just want to sing its praises. Go, go see it. But, if you need more convincing, we're going to take a look at all the amazing talent there, uh, the history behind it. There's just so many wonderful, wonderful things. So... It's directed by Stephen Williams, who has done everything on TV. Like, you name a show that you like, he's been on it. You know, Ed, Crossing Jordan, Las Vegas. He did a lot of stuff with Lost, um, Touch, Person of Interest, How to Get Away with Murder, The Americans, Walking Dead, Westworld, Watchmen, True Story. I mean, dude, prolific, prolific career. He's done a few movies, but... Not, he hadn't done a movie in 23 years, so nothing you'd probably recognize. But he was also like producer on Lost and Watchmen, so phenomenal resume. Uh, and he really just brought the vision and the voice to this movie. You know, just the way everybody interacted um, with each other and with themselves. I mean, just the, the vision there is stunning. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, you're probably going to hear me say multiple times, like, I hope they remember the show at Oscar season because the Oscars are notorious for really only looking at like November, December movies, uh, maybe January when it comes to nominees and movies that get released, you know, in April, May tend to be forgotten. Um, or you have like Crash, which everyone thought shouldn't win. But that's a debate for another time. So this movie was written by Stephanie Robinson, who is a young up-and-coming powerhouse. Um, she's on Atlanta. She's on What We Do in the Shadows, Man Seeking Woman, Fargo. When she joined the writer's room of Atlanta, she was the youngest person in there. And FX has been so impressed like that. She has a deal with them, and that's why she works on all those shows. It's just been... So, you know, if you, if you watch any of those, you know they're in a league of their own, you know. I mean, you see, especially Fargo, what we do in the shadows, and Atlanta just win award after award and be nominated time and time again, both at the Emmys and at the Writers Guild. So she's part of that. She's part of the reason that those shows are so successful. Um, she just, her, her voice and the stories that she has to tell and brings to the table, and it's no different here, you know, this is a tricky story to tell. You're telling a true story that a lot of the masses, the people, don't know a whole lot about, you know, and, and the people who do, there's a lot of holes in the story, you know, the, the history there is a little little scarce at some point so you have to not only fill that in but make it entertaining make it entertaining for a modern audience which uh, you know a lot of people say period pieces are dead and I hate that 
absolutely absolutely hate that because I don't believe that I love period pieces and this is one of them you know she took Chevalier de Saint George and made you care about him if you don't know a whole lot about the story we'll, we'll talk a little bit about him the, the actual character Joseph Alone Chevalier de Saint George uh, my French is atrocious you can't tell I took like three years of it so I apologize to all of our French speaking listeners but anyway this guy, he was um, born out of wedlock. His father was a, a planter and, you know, a well-to-do guy. And his mom was a slave. And, you know, they, they had an affair and he was the product of that. And when he was seven, his father could tell, like, dude had skills. So he started really training him, you know, and... Uh, and everything and he would take him to a super exclusive school where he learned all about fencing and violin playing and everything like that and he just kicked butt at it like when he was still in his teens he beat the best fencer in France at the time and he got a, a special title from Louis XVI because he did so well and then as he would go on, he would become like concert master at places. Um, he composed these orchestras and operas and everything. And he always dreamed of being the conductor at the Paris Opera. But since he was a person of color, since he had dark skin, they were, they were like, no, you can't do that. And he got upset, I mean, rightfully upset, and just stopped working for a while and doing stuff um and then during the french revolution you know he joined up and served and didn't uh helped out and pretty much you know lived his life out and died peacefully ish um but what's interesting is after he died napoleon came through and was like hey uh we, they just erase his history and everything and so that's why I said like a lot of people don't remember and don't know his whole story uh, and so in this you know you see kind of what might have happened you know my extent of knowledge of the French Revolution comes from Assassin's Creed Liberty which is a phenomenal game super glitchy at first, but probably the best story in the Assassin's Creed game. Anyway, and as far as Ubisoft has taught me, like, it lines up pretty close to the French Revolution, so that's, you know, neat to see and everything. Uh, the Chevalier is played by Kelvin Harrison, who is pretty new on the scene. Um, he's only 28 years old. Uh, he's, I mean, his first role was in 12 Years a Slave. is a small role, but he's still in there. Um, he's going to be in the new Lion King movie. He's going to be a young Scar and everything. Uh, you've seen him in Birth of a Nation, Mudbound, uh, Assassination Nation, Monster, uh, Gully, Waves. He got a lot of hype for Waves back in 2019. Got nominated and uh, even won a few awards for it. He was in Cyrano. He's in Elvis. So uh, I guess his last few movies have been very musical. I was reading that he practiced for like he practiced violin for like six hours a day, seven days a week, to prepare for this role, 
And you can tell, like, his, his passion in this film is some of the best I've ever seen. You, you see him go through these phases where at the first, you know, he just loves himself. He loves his status and who he is. And then he loves his, his work and thinks that it should speak for itself and stand on its own. And you know, no matter what he looks like, his work is what's important. And then as things start falling and crumbling around him, he realizes, you know, that it's his love and family and country that is where he, his passion is. So not a lot of actors, I think, could go through that whole roller coaster and com almost complete 180, you know, from the character he is at the first of the film, the brash, uh, cocky, you know, upstart to the end where he's, spoilers, where he's, you know, risking his life for the common man and turning his back on his the privilege that he had and the ruling class and that he used to be part of. Um, it's really, really moving and really amazing because, you know, it, the film opens with like a little rap battle, a violin battle with him and uh, Mozart and it, it sets the stage and he plays the, hey, I'm more talented than you. And it's, and I think it's interesting because that's kind of how he plays it the whole movie. It's not, I'm better than you, you know, because he knows that these rich white people will never believe that. So it's more, it's, he's more like, I'm just, I have more talent than you. I'm I'm more skilled, I'm better at this than you are. And uh, the whole movie as it goes on, you know, he realizes that you know, that may, that's not enough and that's not what it is about. And so, uh, like I said, Kelvin Harrison Jr. just is awesome. Um, I would love to somehow get him on the show. God, anybody, anybody on this. Also in the movie, you have, um, as Marie Josephine, you had Samara Weaving, or as my friend calls her, not Margot Robbie, um, to the point where she, like, in Babylon, she plays not Margot Robbie. Um, she's phenomenal. She's the love interest and and this singer that he kind of discovers and wants to have her at the center of his opera. She's really just kind of his muse. Um, she was in Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, Ready or Not, Guns Akimbo. She was Nyx in Guns Akimbo. She was Thea Preston in Bill and Ted Face the Music. She was in Snake Eyes. She was Scarlet. Not the Nick Cage one, obviously. I, I don't think she was alive when that came out. Um, oh, barely. <laughs> uh, no, the G.I. Joe one. And then, like I said, she was in Babylon, and she's also in Scream 6. She's Laura in the new Scream. So, again, a phenomenal resume and a whole lot of TV stuff, too. She was Ash vs. Evil Dead, Smilf, Hollywood, the Ryan Murphy uh, series that is wonderful as well. You know, she just so many things. If you look at all her nominations and w wins, she's just done so many, so many things. And here's no different. Like, when I saw her, I was like, oh, yeah, it's the not Margot Robbie girl. But she really kind of holds her own and does such a great job because she too kind of 
goes through the, the reverse. Like, yeah, she's married to this big, fancy general guy, but he hates Ark, and he's all about, you know, the military and stuff, and she learns to discover her love for the art and her love for her own abilities. And as she, you know, develops and becomes this big deal, and then she deals with some tragedy and loss um, at home that I won't, I won't spoil that part for you because it's, it's, wow, it's so good. Um, and the whole time, you know, you, you believe that, yes, she is shy and bashful, and now she's brash, and now she's, like, depressed, and she's in love, and she still has duties and responsibilities, and there's just so much going on with our character, all these characters in this film, and she doesn't miss a beat, um, no pun intended, like, she just does such a beautiful, beautiful job. Then you have Lucy Boynton playing Marie Antoinette, and she was also in some Ryan Murphy stuff. She was in The Politician. She was Astrid. Um, again, great, great show. Both of those shows are wonderful. Ryan Murphy's Netflix stuff. But that's a conversation for another time. I mean, her first role was as Beatrix Potter, the young Beatrix Potter in Miss Potter, which everybody loved and everything. Uh, Sing Street, she was there. Rebel in the Rye. Don't Knock Twice. Murder on the Orient Express. She was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Lockdown, Pale Blue Eyes, so, you know, you've seen her in a whole lot of stuff. And then on TV, I said The Politician, Gypsy, uh, Modern Love, all, all of these. She's, her role as Marie Antoinette, you know, is the, the go-between, um, really, because Chevalier, he's, you know, even though he's part of the court and still an outsider, they shun him, and Marie Antoinette, at least for the first part of the movie, is his friend and supports him and tries to give him chances and help him out and do everything she can to see him succeed. Uh, you know, they go to the opera and heckle people, and they seem like friends um, until they're not, you know when he finds out that he doesn't get the appointment because of his skin color he's like you know I thought you were my friend I thought you would fight for me I thought you believed in me and she's just like oh you know there's only so much a queen can do gotta listen to the people and you can see what you think is a little bit of hurt in in her but then she goes on to kind of schmooze with the guy who got the appointment and then Chevalier you know, choose her out, and then at the end of the movie, she comes to Chevalier and gives him the same speech uh, because of what's going on. She's like, I thought you were my friend. And seeing, you know, playing a royal is not easy. Uh, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to kings and queens and stuff, they just play it real arrogant. And uh, that's why you see... When someone does a good job, they're going to win an award or get nominated and stuff. And she totally brings those little nuances of her, the pain and the, I don't want to say burden, but the responsibility of ruling and having to listen to your people, um, even as a revolution is brewing versus doing what you know is right and, you know, helping your friends and where do you, where do you land on that? You know, what? 
what do you find that, that works there? And she just it is uh, just wonderful. You know, you feel for her uh, and as you watch her battle this and try and do everything, knowing full well that she's Marie Antoinette in the French Revolution. So we know how that's going to end. Uh, it doesn't happen like that in the movie, but it's it ends a little bit before that. So, And then... Uh, almost lastly, you have Martin Sokis, who plays the army husband, uh, is Marc René, he's a Marquis de Montalembert, and he's, he's the bad guy, I guess, like I said, he's, he doesn't think his wife should be doing any kind of performing, um, he thinks it would turn her into a tramp or a whore or something, and he blames Chevalier for everything, so they... They come to a head a few times, and it, again, he's m more than just a bad guy. You know, if you, if the name sounds familiar, if you're like, yeah, Martin Sokis, yeah, he was Lord Celeborn in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, Pablo the Lesser in Star Wars. He's been in, again, so many things, you know, Timeline, The Born Supremacy, Aeon Flux, Kingdom of Heaven, uh, Kangaroo Jack, we, maybe we don't mention that one, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Sin City, Damon Kill 4, Equalizer, uh, so many, so many things. And I didn't know, I forgot he was on Xena way back in the day for a, a stint. But you see him, you know, this is one of those villains where, yes, he's the villain, yes, he's the bad guy. You kind of want to hate him. I mean, you do hate him because you see how he treats his wife and how he treats Chevalier. But then his wife has an affair with him and or not with him an affair away from him and stuff and um you could argue that oh she defies his orders but I mean I don't think you should tell your wife what to do and not to do that's when you know she's a singer she's really good like let her go sing so I don't feel sorry for him there but he has just enough sympathy in him that you're like okay you know I I get it like I get why you're pissed off and and, you know, he, even though he's military, he's not in that inner circle that Chevalier is. And you can, you get the feeling that he kind of wants to be, you know, he wants to be more. Um, but he just can't. And meanwhile, here's this other guy that is just doing whatever. And, you know, he has a love for his queen and his country. Um, a militant love that he abuses. But, again, he, he, he cares about some things just not the right things and then also you have mini driver as kind of the older opera person who uh, she's not in very many scenes but the ones she's in are just awesome you're like yeah that's mini driver i mean she sings i don't know if she does her own singing i would guess so because we've seen her sing in other films so i would i would think so but this this film, like I said, is just a work of art. Um, if I had any negative takeaways from it, there are a few times that the CGI is new, like the backgrounds, you know, of that time. They you can tell they're computer generated. You know, it's green screened, but it's not too too bad. There's only once or twice I was like, ooh, that mm, you didn't clean that up very well, but. You know, that's that's a nitpick. 
I think in today's world of CGI everywhere, you know, you're going to get that in films. The acting, directing, writing, everything about this movie is, is spot on. The music, even if you're not a classical music fan, like, when he picks up a violin, you're just in awe. And you're starstruck. And so you can see how people back then were so impressed. And why he is one of the greatest talents maybe ever to play the violin. And it's just, just go see it. Just go, like... It's probably not going to be in theaters very long. So try and go see it in the theater if you can. Or if you're not a theater person, totally get that. Especially after COVID. Um, as soon as this drops on streaming, stream it. Buy it. I'm waiting for them to announce when the blu rays coming out. Because I will day one this thing and watch it again. And I'm going to show it to my wife and show it to my other friends. and Because this is a movie that I think everybody should watch. Um, not only because of its historical importance and telling this man's story, um, especially like now, I think it's as relevant as ever, but also just the, the talent that is in this film, both on and off screen, just needs to be witnessed and enjoyed and appreciated. Um, I love superhero movies more than the next person, but we need movies like this still. We need movies that tell these stories, that show us these people, and this does. It is wonderful. So hopefully you'll see it. Hopefully you'll at least get nominated for some awards. Um, if you have seen it, let me know what you think. Or if you let me know if you plan on seeing it. Let me know in the comments below here on SoundCloud or anywhere on social media. Just look for The Night Nerd. You can email me even nightnerd at thenightnerd.com. That's N-I-G-H-T-N-E-R-D. Um, like if you're connected with this film in any way, I, come on. Come on the show. I would love to talk to you because it it's such an amazing film. Like, when I walked out, I was like, maybe my whole podcast from here on out is just about Chevalier because it's so good. But I don't know. We'll see. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Again, my name is Lance. You've listened to The Night Nerd, and we'll see you next time.